Well, if you're uh, here with us on campus, if you would please stand as I uh, read our scripture passage on which our sermon is based this morning. Uh, You can follow along on the screens as I read from Jeremiah. It says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to say hi to everyone here on campus, those of you joining us online. Wonderful to have uh, you with us today uh, as we are sermon. Our sermon today is just going to be a little different than the way it's been. I just had this pressed upon my heart over the last few months of 2020 and wanting to share it with you as we go into uh, 2021. So today I'll feel a little bit different. The title of the sermon today is To the Exiles, To the Exiles. Uh, There is no question, uh, even Time Magazine hits on this, that you and I desperately want to leave 2020 behind us. Uh, Here is Time Magazine's cover from December 14th. Uh, Now, interesting, this red X, this is the first time uh, an actual year has shown up with a red X on it on the front of Time magazine. Uh, We've seen this red X a few other times before. 75 years ago, 1945, we saw this red X on the cover of Time magazine for the death of Adolf Hitler. In 2003, the face of Saddam Hussein. In 2006, uh, Al Zarco, the leader of Al-Qaeda in Iraq, And then in 2011, Osama bin Laden. And the red X for Time magazine is meant to, they say, quote, mark the end of a long struggle. And for most of us, 2020 felt like the end of an incredibly long struggle. Even if if your business fared well, like Amazon and Google, I have not met anyone yet to this day who said, man, Tyler, could we go back and relive the glory days, the glory days of 2020. No one said that. So as we turn the page, we find ourselves struggling to know how is there a way forward in 2021. And today I'd like to offer a vision for you 
and for us as Orangewood of how God could use this year in the story of our lives and the story of our great church. Three things we will need to draw our attention to from Jeremiah's letter to the people of Israel and what it means for us in 2021. Three things, a new outlook, a new strategy, and a new hope. So let's look first at this new outlook. Uh, The people of Israel uh, have been struck by tragedy. Hundreds of thousands of them have been killed. The Babylonians have come in. They've destroyed their land. They've been sent off into exile to live in a foreign land. They've been exiled from their religious practices that they knew and were accustomed to. And they were subject to worship God with a practice that at best felt different from what they knew and what was normal and at worst felt wrong from what they remembered. But there was a letter that came, a letter that came from the prophet Jeremiah. They could, they could see the messenger coming over the horizon. This was a common practice in the ancient Near East uh, that they would send a messenger on their behalf with a letter. Uh, They see a messenger coming off in the distance. Uh, Oh, a word from the Lord. Uh, God is coming. Uh, The word of God is here. We're getting out of this place. No more isolation. No more social distance. No more masks. No more exile. God has come to rescue us. They grab that letter and they open that letter just like you did when you got your stimulus check. It's tearing through it. What's the word of God for us? What, what does he have to say? Well, this is what it says in verse seven and 10. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare for thus says the Lord. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. There there was a gasp among the people. Did it really just say that? And then, of course, in the crowd, there's always that person who says exactly what they're thinking. There's always one there, one who says exactly what they're thinking. And they they shout out, you got to be kidding me. Seventy more years of this. Seventy more years of exile. Eugene Peterson, I think, said it best. He said it this way. As he defines exile, the essential meaning of exile is that we are where we don't want to be. I remember it was early February, 2020. I don't remember the exact day. I know it was a Monday. Uh, I was in a meeting at my previous church with two of our other senior staff members. And at the end of our meeting, as it was finishing, um, one of the staff members said, Hey, Tyler, I didn't see it on the agenda for today, but for our next meeting, could we make sure we set aside some time to talk about this virus that is spreading And what the possible implications could mean if it continues to spread for the church. Now, I do not think I laughed out loud, but I do believe in my head I was saying, why would we waste time for that? This thing's going to be over before we know it. And then March 2020 came and churches and all other buildings went dark. We went into exile. 
And we, we kept saying to ourselves, oh, you know, we, this is exile right now, but, but surely everything's going to be back to normal by the summer. And then June came. And then we began to say, oh, surely everything's going to be back to normal by October. And we find ourselves waiting, waiting in exile. Exile is that we are where we don't want to be. And at this point, uh, the best I've heard we can hope for is maybe fall of 2021 that things will get, quote, back to normal. But there's still so many uncertainties. Will the vaccine work? Will, will the vaccine timeline get distributed uh, appropriately? Uh, what about these variants? So many questions on and on that they, they go. They fill our minds of this reality. Uh, but Jeremiah brings us to a new outlook for the people that despite the uncertainty that you are facing, despite the unknowns, despite that you have more questions than answers, you can have a new outlook. You see, when tragedy happens we in, and we enter into exile, it exposes us and we can take several different outlooks of how we engage our new reality. We actually see three of those, at least in our passage. And the first one is we can revolt. Uh, the letter is handed uh, from Jeremiah's messenger to the people. They, they tear it open. They read it. And, and then they respond, what nonsense. Uh, we grumble, we complain, we argue. There is a very real sense for this group of people in exile in Babylon that they, they thought violence was the answer. Uh, in fact, all commentators agree that this section of Jeremiah is alluding to Deuteronomy 20, where uh, it talks about how they are to live in Babylon as, if a, as a soldier who is home on furlough at peace. Jeremiah is telling the people, uh, do not give into revolt. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Do not give into slander. Do you find yourself in exile feeling that you want to revolt? Uh, second, we can resign. And maybe that's some of you today that the, the waves of exile have just crashed and crashed and crashed upon your soul. And you were just tired. You're just, I just, I want to put forth as little effort as possible. You've, you've resigned your soul in Babylon. You see, uh, Netflix subscriptions were up in Babylon. Uh, alcohol sales uh, were, were up in Babylon. Uh, the re researchers were saying that addictions were up 70%. In Babylon. And I, and I don't mean any guilt by saying that at all. I, I'm, if anything, I'm, I'm indicting myself. Uh, but the problem with resigning is if we do not have a vision for what we want God to do in our life, another vision will take over. Uh, rather than seeking the welfare of the city, we will give into a numbing and a distraction. Uh, in fact, I think that is the greatest vision of secularism today is, is to give you a place and a way of distraction. Here's how Andrew Sullivan put it in his article. I used to be a human being. Modernity slowly weakens spirituality by design and accident in favor of commerce. It downplayed silence and a mere being in favor of noise and constant action. The reason we live in a culture increasingly without faith is not because science has somehow disproved the unprovable. But because the white noise of secularism 
has removed the very stillness in which faith might endure or be reborn. If the churches came to understand that the greatest threat to faith today is not hedonism, but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. So this idea of secularism is this idea to have you resign to the bigger questions of life. Why am I here? What's the telos? What's the end goal of my life? This is sadly what we may find ourselves susceptible to as we resign in exile. Uh, The great T.S. Eliot and the Four Quartets put it this way. We are distracted from distraction by distraction, filled with fancies and empty of meaning. Have you resigned in exile? And, and please hear me when I say this. If you've resigned, the COVID-19 pounds you may have added are the least of your worries. Because we find ourselves feeling incredibly distant from this God we knew back then. Before the exile. Before the way things are now. We've lost touch with this God we used to know better. We can revolt, we can resign. And lastly, Jeremiah gives us a new outlook. We can redeem our exile. We can redeem it. Uh, He tells us to seek the welfare of the city. This word for welfare is the Hebrew word shalom. It is this rich, beautiful, amazingly complex word. We usually translate it as peace, but peace just does not do justice to this incredible word. Uh, Shalom could probably better be interpreted as wholeness. Uh, wholeness with God, wholeness with others, wholeness with creation, and wholeness with ourselves. I love the way Cornelius Plantinga talks about this shalom. This is what he says. The webbing of together of God, humans, and all creation, and justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Old Testament prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire among enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs. And do not miss this. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Friends, do you want a little more shalom in your life, a little more wholeness? God invites us to embrace a new outlook in our exile. Rather than revolt, rather than resigning, we are invited to seek shalom despite the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You see, God evokes in this passage a a calling to what the people were called to be in Exodus 19. Uh, That God's people were called to be a kingdom of priests. Uh, They would bring the shalom of God even in exile. This is what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. He said this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. You are a city on a hill. Yes, you, 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 I'm talking to you. As hard as it is for you to possibly imagine, you are a city right here. You bring the blessing and the shalom of God to this broken world, even in exile. But how do we become the kind of people who are that people of blessing? Uh, How do we become that kind of people where the shalom of God goes forth in our life 
even in exile. Well, Jeremiah gives us a new strategy. It says this in verse five. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Uh, The strategy that Jeremiah offers uh, is really a strategy Eugene Peterson talks about where he calls it a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, what the ancient spiritual writers talked about as a rule of life. You see, we lose, we lose interest rather quickly today in our culture when things have a slow nature of formation to them. Uh, you see, when, when you and I want food, we just go to the grocery store. Uh, it, it's already there. We just go and get it. In fact, nowadays, you don't even have to do that. You can just text to somebody and they will go do all of your shopping for you. They will take care of everything for you. Now, it's a beautiful thing. But houses don't just get built. There is a process. There is a work. It is a slow work. Gardens don't just produce vegetables. It, It takes time. Wine doesn't just end up in the bottle, at least not good wine. There is a slow work. There is a time involved to cultivate the desired outcomes. Why do I bring this up? Uh, My heart and vision for 2021 is despite the fact that we still find ourselves in exile, uh, despite the fact that mass and social distancing continue to be a part of our normal everyday lives, my hope is that we can get to the end of December the end of 2021, and we can look back on this year and we can say, despite the exile that we still found ourselves in most of this year, we have seen God move in profound ways in my life and in the life of our church. He has been with us this whole time. In fact, as we close 2021, I feel now he is closer than he has ever been. Here at the church, Uh, we've been working on a strategy to help us cultivate uh, that kind of vision for 2021 and beyond. Uh, We've been working on, uh, I guess I would call it a long-term and a short-term strategy for cultivating this kind of life with God. Our long-term strategy as a church is something that you'll hear a lot of us talking about as we move forward. Um, We're calling it 321. Uh, It's our strategy of three expectations for those who call Orangewood Church home. Gather for worship, connect in a group, and serve on a team. Our expectation for those who call Orangewood home is that they would gather for worship at least three times a month, that they would connect in a group at least two times a month, and that they would serve on a team at least once a month, three, two, one. And this will be the language that you will hear us using as we move forward. In fact, we've repositioned our pastors over the last several months uh, to serve in these roles and to help assist us as we move forward in helping you find your place. So uh, if you're not part of a group, uh, Pastor Mark Nix, uh, his official role now is pastor of connection and spiritual formation. If you've not found a serve team, Pastor Joe Creech, his official role now is pastor of service and impact. And supporting all our strategy will be our shepherding model that Pastor Chuck Berry will be overseeing and his official role is pastor of care. Now, you may be asking, okay, Tyler, why is this our strategy? Great question. Neuroscientists have been studying the brain and have found the importance that habits have in our lives, that you and I are habitual beings. 
And uh, you know, Charles Duhigg talks in his book, The Power of Habit, uh, about how these habits are formed in what he calls the habit loop, that there is a cue. We all need a cue. This can be many different things. It could be a, a location, time of day, um, a, a pattern of behavior. The cue triggers a certain routine. And then finally, there is a reward. There's a, there's a stimulus that says, that was amazing. Let's do that again. And then the habit loop begins again. Uh, so a cue can be many different things. But for example, just for example, what happens if you drive home today, you drive home today and you see those beautiful golden arches known as McDonald's? You, you, you decide, okay, I, we're going to go through the drive through just very quickly, very quickly. And we're going to get the Big Mac to all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. We, 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 we go through the line. We get our, our Big Mac. We've begun and we've created the routine. We're driven by the reward. What's the reward? The taste of that delicious Big Mac. Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Now you feel absolutely awful four hours later. But in the moment, in the moment, heaven. It's heaven. And that rewards and fuels that cycle. But what? neuroscientists have discovered is that you and I can change our habits actually rather easily. Um, if we actually give attention, good habits can be created by just assessing our lives. In fact, studies have found that just by making a few simple changes that disrupt this cue, this trigger, uh, you can make some pretty drastic changes. Uh, so uh, if you're driving home and you would normally see those beautiful golden arches and the, the normal drive through to get the delicious Big Mac, if you just change the way you drove home and you didn't have the cue, you could actually move on from that habit rather easily. But as easy as it is to make a good habit, it's just as easy to fall into a bad one. And I say all this to highlight as we begin 2021, maybe you have created some bad habits with how we gather for worship weekly. Uh, most people in America uh, uh, gather for worship one time a month. And the reality is, friends, that is not enough to help you cultivate the life with God that you and I are longing for. So what would it mean for you to commit to three times a month as a baseline, how could God work in your life and mine if we gave ourselves to that practice? Now, there's someone here who's always thinking, well, Tyler, why wouldn't you want them here at church every week? There's always an idealist in the room, and I love that. Uh, but the reality is uh, we have to start somewhere. So if we could move to three times a month, that is a big jump from one time a month. Looking at groups and the value of community uh, we don't have to say much or give much data on the effect of community in our lives after the 2020 that we've had, uh, the isolation that we've all experienced. Uh, we don't have to go through a lot to know from 2020 that we are social beings and we are wired for relationships. Uh, there was a study done by Harvard Medical that found uh, if you were part of a church community, you lowered your risk of dying, dying by 33% over a 16-year period with those who are not a part of a church community. That is a staggering statistic. In fact, I reached out to our communication team in light of the stats, the, the, the death rate, uh, that you could lower your death rate. Um, I reached out to 
our communications team uh, and told them about this Harvard medical statistic and a couple of different social media posts that I had created myself uh, to go online. But the communication team just was not, not happy with what I had created. Um, the tagline of my social media post was pretty simple. Uh, Join a community group or die. Listen, you, you need community and you need connection and we need it now more than we ever thought. What would it mean for you to be a part of a group at least two times a month? Finally, if we look at our spiritual life, uh, much like a normal lifespan, we could break it up into the first half of our spiritual life and the second half of our spiritual life. Uh, and what sometimes uh, will happen is people move into the second half of their spiritual life. They're, they've been part of the church for a while. They've been part of different Bible studies, different, different groups within the church. They're in the second half of their spiritual life, but they find themselves very stagnant in their faith. Uh, they find like almost they've, they've hit a lid, um, very dissatisfied with where they are in their spiritual formation. But what happens, what happens is uh, they try to solve second half of life spiritual questions with first half of life answers. And so what happens is you, you find yourself feeling stuck and you, you want something more. And usually what happens is you will come along and you, you will say, oh, gosh, Tyler or the pastors, can you guys just preach deeper, more exhilarating, better sermons? And as much as I want to do that, that will not solve the issue. See, actually the data shows this for tenfold. The answer to you getting unstuck is not you getting more it's actually you giving more. Uh, it, it's, it's actually you serving others. It, it's, it's your life taking on more exhale rather than inhale. And so what would it look like for you to find a serve team once a month? What place of exhale? A place of how do I give myself away to others? And you will begin to see that lid break through. You'll break through that lid. Gather for worship, connect in a group, Serve on a team, three, three, two, one. That, that's our long-term strategy. Uh, but I also mentioned our short-term strategy. Uh, with COVID and exile still part of our lives, at least for much of this year, uh, we've been talking as a church, how can we all be together in something while we can't all be together? And so throughout 2021, we have put together a monthly spiritual practice calendar that we will take part in while together while we can't all be together. And we'll have monthly videos to guide us through each of these practices in the month. And these practices, just so you know, are, are very beginner level. There's no two-week fast a part of these. If you want to do a two-week fast from food, uh, you, you go ahead. I will not join you, um, but uh, you do that. It's great. Um, but these are going to be beginner level. Just, just take the next step and we'd love for you to join it. It'll be something that we do each day together. And the hope of these practices is that they inspire and empower our three to one and the three to one empowers our spiritual practices. In fact, tomorrow we'll be launching our first spiritual practice for the rest of the month of January. I don't know if you know this, but 75% of us sleep right next to our phones and 90% of us, I, us, I'm including myself, the first thing we do upon waking in the morning is we grab our phone to do email, social media, check the news. And so in light of that, our spiritual practice for the rest of this month of January is to wake up and recite the Lord's Prayer. 
When Jesus was asked by his disciples, how should we pray? He gave them the Lord's Prayer. You may be asked, Tyler, how many times should I then pray the Lord's Prayer? As many times as you finally begin to feel it in your body. And don't touch your phone. Please do not touch your phone. Wait at least 30 minutes if you can. Now, I know what someone's thinking. But Tyler, my alarm's on my phone. You do not think Apple knew that? You, you don't think they knew that? You don't think they know about habit loops? The alarm is fine. Turn it off. Set it down. Jump into the Lord's Prayer. And the great thing about this is that we will get to do this together. And when you are struggling and you wake up and, you, and you're, you're struggling, oh, I just want to grab my phone. Oh, gosh, I really don't want to say the Lord's Prayer. Know that there are other people, part of our church family, who are struggling with you. And we are praying with you as we do this together. Uh, our team has been uh, doing some great work behind the scenes. Uh, and I'm really excited to let you know that there are these resources we have available for this year of spiritual practices. So you can go on the website orangewood.org slash practices, or better, uh, you can go through our church center app and you can go on the group page and then you, you click on find a group, find the year. I think it says spiritual practices, join that group. And then you will see everything that we are doing for this whole year and how you can engage each month, every day with a simple practice to help us reorient our lives with God. It's going to be a great time together. Um, if uh, there's also on there some really great artwork our team created so you can put a display on the front of your phone to help just, you know, conjure up. OK, God, how are you working in me? So that's another great feature. And you can find all that uh, on the website or on the app. And if you have any questions at all and you can't figure out how to get there, just email us info at orangewood.org. One more thing about spiritual practices. They are never about duty. Spiritual practices are all about grace. Uh, they're all about what we get to do because Jesus has accomplished everything uh, out of gratitude, out of joy, out of all that Jesus has accomplished. We get to be with, with God. So please, please remember that spiritual practices are meant to be a grace gift to us. Uh, we'll, we'll receive more information uh, tomorrow coming to us via email about how we can engage uh, over this month and in the coming months. Uh, with each of these spiritual practices, this daily opportunity for you and you, for, for you and me to, to, to see, even in exile, God is with us. God is with us. And so I encourage you to take part in that, that we will do that together while we can't all be together. This leads me to my last point. There's a new hope. There's a new hope. Not from Star Wars, thank goodness, but from Jeremiah. Here's what he says. And, and this is God speaking. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God declares to us that even in exile, even in the middle of a pandemic, even when we find ourselves where we do not want to be, if it says here, if you seek me, if you seek after me, you will find me. Um, you know, I've heard many people talk about post-traumatic stress. You may have heard that post-traumatic stress, PTSD. But psychologists also talk about post-traumatic growth. Uh, that traumas come into our life and we can choose to use them as further setbacks on our life. Or we can choose to use them to propel us forward and where we want to be. 
And Jeremiah is simply encouraging us this morning not to see our exile as an obstacle, but to see our exile as an opportunity. To see what God can do in us and through us, that we are being invited in no matter the pandemic we face, no matter the frustrations that have come into our life, no matter the social distance we still have to operate under, no matter the mask that we have to continue to wear, we can see God work in us and through us in profound ways over this year that we can see our exile as an opportunity and not an obstacle. And if we can get really honest, I know it's hard. But if we could get really honest, is the thing that we want, is the only thing we want is to just go back to life before all this started. Is that really what we want? Do we want more to life than that? Were we much better off? Now, I know that there were hardships that we faced in 2020. But could we get to the end of this year? Could we get to the end of 2021? And we see that the one thing that I was really longing for all this time is the one thing that has been with me even through my exile. At the end of 2021, that we would be able to say the one thing that I have needed all of this time, and that was life with God has been available to me every moment, even in Babylon. My hope is the fact that God can do amazing work in your life and in my life if we're willing to let him. Not in spite of our exile, but because of our exile. Where could we be? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. As we close today, who wants to make that kind of declaration over their year. Uh, Who wants to say, despite the exile, I want to see God work in my life. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see him use this pain to bring me closer to him. And so I'm going to pray this morning and I just invite you to make that a prayer of surrender over this year, wherever you are, to to, to, to say, uh, God, what could you do at the end of 2021 that we could all look back together and say, we were better for all of this that we've seen you move in profound ways, that we would say, God, use my exile. God, use my exile. God, God, use this place I don't want to be and draw me closer to you. If that's the life you're wanting, God says, I'll be found by you. I'll be found by you. Let's pray. Our Father, We, we take this moment to really put a stake in the ground as we surrender 2021 and that you would use it as an opportunity in our lives. That you will use exile to transform us. We surrender the, the ways you will work in our lives over this year. Uh, draw us to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we do not have the words to say, we offer up the prayer Jesus taught us as we pray together this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.